If you have a Bible here with you today, you can open it up to Matthew 22, verse 17. Before we do that, let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've created and designed us to think and respond. Give us all wisdom as we sit under your word today. Renew our minds and our thinking and conform us into the likeness of your Son and our Saviour, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Tell us then, what is your opinion? What's your authoritative proclamation? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. Whose portrait is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. This is God's word for us today. Have you ever noticed how switched on Jesus is? How brilliant he is? So often in the scriptures we see Jesus healing people, even turning water into wine and we marvel at these uh, miracles that he performed and, and we should because the works of God are absolutely awesome, no doubts. But today we get an insight into the brilliant intelligence of Jesus. He is one truly switched on God-man. I mean, we stand in awe of people we think are intelligent and, and perhaps they are highly intelligent. I'm not saying they're not, but, but Jesus is brilliant. He's brilliant. And I think of the many pastors around the globe, uh, you know, uh, doing that extra study and going for their, writing their PhD thesis, uh, following in the footsteps of those who've gone before them and And maybe they even think they've got that special angle or that special biblical insight that no one else has perceived or written on. And I think to myself, you know, Jesus wrote the book. Go for it, but remember who the real author is, who spoke the amazing message of Scripture into being, and it was. And give him the glory. Jesus is simply brilliant. And so today we're jumping right into a a slippery situation with our brilliant and very discerning Saviour. And it's slippery because of all the grease and the slime and the butter. And of course Jesus is in the midst of it all. He always is, isn't he? You might even say he's in a bit of a vice today and it's closing in on him as he approaches the cross and present are all the PhD hopefuls from the Pharisees and the Herodians and they're buttering Jesus up. And my word, friends, they are laying it on thick. Now, the Pharisees, they were trying to be extra clever. Extra clever. They've conjured up their most cunning plan to date and I reckon they're, they're getting pretty excited. And the PhD hopefuls buttering up Jesus are the Pharisees' disciples, the up-and-coming bright sparks And along for the ride, working together with these hopeful Pharisees are the Herodians. And get this, these two groups have absolutely nothing in common except a lust to see Jesus in chains and shackles and nailed to a cross. The Herodians, if you've never heard of them, they're hard to get information on. They're like a political party. They've got a religious edge, but what they're concerned about is supporting Herod and Roman rule. And so we have this mixed bag in the room here because we've got Pharisees who absolutely loathe Roman rule and these 
are Herodians who thrive on it and they're working together to take down your Saviour. And we can say a lot of prep has gone into this situation, a lot of prep. There would have been lots of think tanks going on, trying to work out every possible response Jesus might make to them along with a strategy to cut him off and actually close him down. And you know how hard it is to get people who actually agree with each other to work together. So for these two completely opposed groups to work in unison, we can say the best minds have put a lot of energy and brain power and resources into this trap. And so they come to Jesus with their slime and their grease and their butter and they start slapping it on him. Teacher, they said, we know that you're a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Are there statements about Jesus true though? My word, absolutely they are. Integrity, truth, godliness, being the kind of life that God requires his people to walk in being uninfluenced by human pressure or popularity are all true statements when it comes to Jesus. If only, if only they were being honest and had a bit of sincerity in what they were saying, they wouldn't be facing such a dark and bleak future themselves. And here they are hoping all their insincere grease would cause Jesus to slide right into their trap and they say, tell us then, What is your opinion? Give us your authoritative proclamation on this, teacher. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Our Lord takes the most frustrating and persistently hypocritical religious people and he astounds them. First by calling them hypocrites, which is a play actor, a play actor, And he calls them play actors because he can see directly into their hearts and the evil intent and the malice that they're coming at him with. And secondly, he astounds them with his divinely intelligent response. And it seems really ordinary. And maybe we think that. Show me the coin. Just show me the coin. Whose image or icon is the word? Whose icon is this? And whose inscription And they say, of course, it's Caesar's. So give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And they're amazed and they walk away. This is no ordinary tax, friends. This is a tax paid by subject people, subject to Rome. Romans didn't pay this, but Israel had to pay. And these Herodians, they love it. They love it because they'd only be upset if Jesus said, don't pay the tax because... You know, Rome was good for them. They liked it. But what we know about the Jewish people is that they hated handing over their money to the Romans, to Caesar, with the fire of a thousand sons. Here's the thing. That denarius coin sitting nice and snug in their hand doesn't ultimately belong to them, does it? It's not theirs. The money they have in their possession is something they've first been given to use but actually it belongs to Caesar. It has his icon on it. It has his inscription on it. And so I ask every single one of you today, is it ever wrong, is it ever wrong 
to return property to its rightful owner? Is it ever wrong to return property to its rightful owner? How discerning are you when it comes to the coins in your pockets? Do you hate taxation with the fire of a thousand suns? Whose icon or inscription or signature is on the money in your pocket? You know it's Australian legal tender and it's first been given to you. You don't own it as much as you might like to hang on to it or withhold paying taxes. And the call of Jesus today is to respect that. The call is to give back what rightfully belongs to the state for the services that God provides for us through them, even when they don't meet our high expectations. The call is to see those in authority over us, and that's anyone in authority over us, as agents of a loving God who serves us through their office. And that's a pretty tough call for Aussies, isn't it? It's a pretty tough call. I mean, regardless of who's in authority, we tend to be pretty disrespectful and pretty cynical of any authority set up over us. Particularly when it comes to tax or handing over our money. There's a deep desire to withhold, want to hang on to that stuff. That's our cash and our coins. But what about the image and inscription that we bear as human beings? Jesus speaks powerfully to this today. So give back to Caesar what's Caesar's and to God what's God's. And if the money we use bears the inscription and the image of the state, what about each one of you? Do you bear an image? My word you do. You bear the image of God, your Creator. Right from the beginning it's written, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created them. Male and female, he created them. You are created in the image of God and for God. And you're called today to give back to God what belongs to Him. That is you. No wonder the jaws of the Pharisees and the Herodians hit the deck. This is huge. They responded to Jesus in amazement, but then they left Him. They walked away. What about you? Are you going to hold out against God? Would you rather make your own big, lofty impression on the world or will you present yourself to God with an allegiance that knows no bounds? What a blessing, what an amazing blessing to this community and to the mission and outreach of the church if you left today with knowing the joy of an allegiance to God that knows no boundaries. I mean, what would that look like? It would be amazing. We would be allocating finances for the blessing of children in Sunday school. Imagine actually investing financially in our children and resourcing them for gospel ministry. What do you think the impact of that might be on this church? There would be an allocation for youth ministry that happens here and that happens at the college. There would be an allocation for all kinds of grow courses to bless each one of you. 
And so we could grow deep as a community of faith. Imagine, just for a moment, giving to ministry instead of trying to meet a budget. Can you see the difference? Imagine giving to ministry instead of trying to meet a budget. Imagine a church where people willingly use their gifts and talents for the building up and edification of everyone, where people actually can't stop themselves serving and it's not to fill a position and it's not because no one else will do it, but it's because they have a passion for ministry and a deep desire to see the gospel flourish in this place. I mean, we might even need a staff for that. Is your God big enough to see gospel transformation like this? And that's not a pipe dream for the church. That's simply the joy of an allegiance to God that knows no bounds. Open your Bible, open the book of Acts and you'll see it come to life. What it is, it's a joy. It's a joy that people know because of their connection to the God who knows no bounds when it comes to to his generosity because God doesn't withhold a thing when it comes to serving you. He doesn't hold back because it's not in God's nature to be stingy. God doesn't withhold from you because of sin but he acts to restore and cleanse you and invites you on a journey of transformation and discipleship. Listen to just a few, just a bite, a sound bite of Scripture. 1 John 4, 9-10, this, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that, that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Romans 5, 6-8, you see at just the right time when we were still powerless Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person though. For a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. John 1.16, this is a huge one. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. What that means is over-the-top, abundant, flowing generosity that can only come from God. John 3.16, I read it to you before. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. Have we lost a bit of the impact in that? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What I want you to know is that God's generosity, God's fatherly care for you knows no boundaries. Instead of withholding anything, He gives you everything. Everything. He gives you His Son to die and to be raised from the grave for your joy and for your life as His disciple. He placed His name on you, His inscription with the cross on your forehead, adopting you as his own and consecrating you for life in the kingdom of God. And he continues like he has today and like he will when you gather around the Lord's 
banquet table to forgive you and he calls you to follow him in joyful, unbound allegiance. It's the last thing I want to say today. It's not enough. It's not enough to be astounded or even amazed by the brilliant intelligence of Jesus. It's not enough. The Pharisees and the Herodians saw that and what did they do? They walked away. They were amazed and then they left his presence. Jesus wants much more than just to impress you today. God is inviting you to stop living for yourself and return to the Lord, your maker and redeemer and creator, the God almighty of heaven and earth. Because you belong to him, you belong in him and you belong with him. My prayer for you today is that you would know the joy of an unbound allegiance to God in absolutely every sphere and intricate detail of your life. And I pray this church would know the same. What impact do you think that might have here at Trinity? What impact do you think that that might have as it ripples out into the community and into your families and into your work and into your home and into your school for the glory of God? What impact can a generous, awe-inspiring, powerful, all-knowing and faithful God have? What impact can he have in your lives, in this place, and in cans. Would you invest in that? Let me tell you, I will invest in that. I am invested in that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for your untapped generosity that flows into each one of our lives through the death and resurrection of Jesus. You hold back nothing from us, God, and we can do nothing but thank and praise you for that and walk with you. I pray that for each person here, that your message, that they would be filled with your Holy Spirit, that they would be filled with the joy of an unbound allegiance to you that knows no boundaries but reaches out in love wherever you call them to go. Father, thank you that you love us so much. Help us not to take that for granted, but to rejoice in the salvation that you've won for each one of us and to rejoice in your presence and to rejoice at the communion rail this morning where we receive the risen and glorified Jesus in our hands and in bread and wine and all the life and salvation that you have for us. Bless us this day. Fill us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. And the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, keep your hearts and your minds safe in Christ Jesus, our risen and glorified Lord and Saviour. Amen.